<laughs> He's probably going to shit on me as soon as. <laughs> you're his, what was it? Uh, um, relaxative? <laughs> yeah, relaxative. <laughs> my dad is definitely a relaxative. It all comes out whenever he sits on my dad's lap. QVC quality violent cinema. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Quality Violence Cinema. We're here with Jesse Seitz and, of course, Christian. How are you doing, guys? What's up? Hi, Jesse. How are you? I'm doing awesome. How about you? I'm great. Thanks for coming. Hey, thanks uh, for having me on. <laughs> yeah, on such short notice. I think we like, planned this yesterday. Didn't it? Yeah. It came together yeah. great. Yeah, just basically it took like an hour and just like, let's get, you know, 30 questions together. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> worked out. So, yeah. Cool. So, um, well, one thing I just want to kind of get into um, your upbringing on like your studies. Like, did you go to school for special effects or anything that you do? Um, no. <laughs> um, I, the, the closest thing that I went to that's like relevant to my work in film is. I did go to cosmetology school um, and I think that I really kind of like latched on to like the makeup side of that and definitely like have used that uh, knowledge as like a base for like special effects but um, outside of that I mean I have like an anthropology degree (laughs) Um, I guess comes in handy um, for like documentaries but uh, yeah nothing I pursued um, in a formal education like setting had anything to do with what I do. What were your early shorts about? So my early ones, um, it took me a while before I was actually like creating my own stuff. Um, when I first got started, I was um, like working definitely like behind the camera, like for a lot of other people's like work. And, um, you know, just started with slaves, production assistant. I moved up to like being like a writer, production designer and all that good stuff. So I actually didn't make my first thing until I was about like four years, like into it, four or five years. Um, and that was my film called Five. And uh, it's not a horror film at all, <laughs> but uh, it has uh, uh, Jim Van Bever in it. And that's actually how I got to, to know him and start working with him. Cool. And it's just sort of like a very like Todd Salon's like slice of life like drama like about a girl like right before she goes into kindergarten and stuff so yeah. it's definitely like quirky and weird but um not not horror related like at all and um I think that was kind of like my like rebellion against it at the time because <laughs> I had been like pretty like entrenched into the horror world for a while and was like feeling like a little burnout on it so like when yeah. it came time to do my first project I just kind of like broke away from that um but now it's like all horror and exploitation <laughs> yeah same here it's very rarely that christian and i get out of, i mean we both watch stuff outside of it but it's like, obviously to watch the palette a little bit you know yeah. watch a comedy to not feel too dark and depraved especially <laughs> yeah. christian like some of the mixtape shit that you watch like 
Yeah, I've, I've taken a big long break on a lot of those. I was more just to like kind of see what for they are, like research for reasons. Just a minute, you broke yourself. You broke yourself. And you I wouldn't say back. I broke myself, but I'm like, I don't want to see myself broken to see how far it takes. <laughs> what was what was devotion about? So devotion is um, like my little tribute to like genre Lynn or like just Franco, like early work. Um, so it's. Um, an abstract like art piece uh there's like very little narrative like in it um it's the the loose like structure like of the story the main character played by um, Haley madison um has lost a friend to suicide and then she's like starting to learn that there's like definitely like a lot more leading up to the death and starts to like sink into an alternate universe in her pursuit of trying to like figure out um what was going on like with her friend um but it definitely goes into some very like weird art housey like abstraction like places um i wanted to utilize the cut up method um which was like you know popularized by like burroughs and then later by genesis like p origin and like apply that to film which was um extremely ambitious <laughs> what is that again uh the cut up method yeah um so when burroughs like had started it um, that's where he would take uh, most famously like a newspaper, cut it up and cut it up and hack it up until it was like all like a, a brand new like text like from it. And then Genesis Peoridge from Psychic TV like took it like even further, you know, with like that whole um, project and um, begin cutting up like bits of film and like video and like TV programming. And then of course, eventually evolved into Pandrogeny where um their partner lady jay and then like kind of like became the same person so like a human cut up mm -hmm. um which is really cool there's like um some fantastic documentaries out there about that uh but the process itself um was very intriguing to me because it is about the process and like your emotions that you are experiencing while you're creating and so with devotion it's like shot against um, a lot of different formats like there's like still camera work super aid uh, video digital and it just kind of like mashes like into the story so mm -hmm. it's meant to be like kind of like experienced like on a whole piece like that mm -hmm. I don't know if it's like 100% successful I mean it like it definitely like makes sense and resonates like with me and there have definitely been people who are like familiar with like the processes that I was using that were very into it but it's it's definitely like weird it's actually <laughs> interesting i made a piece not knowing it was kind of like that because i i have an art piece that i did as a photography and it was basically originally a collage that i made and i crinkled up that collage um scanned that collage and then printed that into an acetate and then um put a, a stencil over that acetate and then put it over a photo enlarger and then printed that with chemical and here I can show you what it turned out to. Yeah, like you can see it. You got it. <laughs> that sounds freaking awesome. That's cool, though. It sounds like it was a as much of an exercise in like uh, using different. Ooh. Oh, cool! That was oh, awesome, that's awesome. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. But um, it, it sounds it like totally a was. like you learned like it was a big learning experience yeah, too. So it's like four different this. processes all going into one to make one thing. So yeah it, and i love like stuff like that and and i was like very lucky with devotion because like a lot of the people who were surrounding the project like really 
understood it, you know, like, I mean, you have like Victor Bonacore who definitely like huffs from like the Kenneth Anger bag, you know, like the things like punk art films and uh, Linnea Quigley was in it, um, which I was of course like a long time fan of her work, you know, Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. she was just down to do something like bizarre and different and like that, like what we were doing, you know, so it was cool to like collaborate with people like on that level. Is it something kind of similar to like Richard Kern or in that realm or? I would like to think that it, it kind of like borrows like from that, you know, um, it's maybe not as like abrasive. And I mean that like yeah. in a good way towards him, you know, mm-hmm. um, but um, I get what you're saying. Yeah. It has like those like undertones like to it, you know? And mm-hmm. so, yeah, I think people who are fans of that or like, like Lucifer rising, you know, mm-hmm. or like actually or, big like genre. the earlier. The early Henry Rollins films, like, yeah, you know, <laughs> like when like he was like <laughs> seeing him like in sex scenes is so weird, especially when, like he's like really young. You're like, this is weird. Ah, my eyes. Yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I can, yeah, I saw a lot of that stuff in film classes, and it's not stuff that I ever watch again because it's just not my taste. But yeah, it, it was really good at expanding like my mind and stuff to um, just learning different like just different ways to do art rather than just commercial style. And I think it absolutely like loosens you up, you know, like for that kind of thing. And I think a lot of times with film, like we're very hung up on the narrative of it and it is another art form, just like a painting, you know, or a song. Mm -hmm. And so I like to see people who will take that in different directions. Um, uh, like the guy who um, his the director's name is escaping me but the guy who did mandy you know oh yeah and, i know who you're talking about yeah. yeah yeah he's great he's just you know he goes in like his first film it was a black black, black mirror black rainbow um black beyond rainbow. the black rainbow black beyond, beyond the black rainbow that's what it is yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's like a very like big complex like art piece mm-hmm. you know that's not really i couldn't get through it at first so i had to rewatch it it was more because of the company just didn't get it i was like i'll watch this by myself <laughs> <Yeah>. but <laughs> i yeah yeah and his, he's like a great example of somebody who i think is doing that kind of stuff like very successfully but um mm-hmm. even like under the skin that had scarlett johansson in it mm-hmm. you know i mean that's pretty like fucking abstract mm-hmm. <laughs> you yeah. know like it's not following a traditional narrative so it's cool that that stuff is like getting budgets, you know, and like anything else, I think devotion probably would have been a hundred times better had I had a like real budget, <laughs> you know, but it, all films like suffer limitations of their budget. You know? Yeah. So um, was Obsidian putting any anthologies or any festivals? So um, Obsidian uh, was, uh, it hasn't been in any anthologies. Uh, it's currently free, like on YouTube. Um, how that project came about is it's actually like a feature length script that mm-hmm. I was um, trying to get optioned and there was a producer of some note <laughs> um, mm-hmm. whose father is very famous and I'll just like leave it at that, <laughs> who expressed like an interest um, in producing it but wanted a proof of concept and so I was like, well, instead of shooting just like a scene, I'll turn it into like a short film. A short and then make that into a full feature, yeah. Right, you know, like ex- like get places with it. Mm-hmm. So um, it showed in like quite a few festivals and um, even quite a few movie theaters, like art house ones would show it like before something. So um, cool. like that uh, film scene, they showed it before Maniac, which was like super nice. awesome. <laughs> you know, 
Yeah, that's a good honor. <laughs> yeah, like, I opened up for Frank Zito. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so no biggie, no biggie. <laughs> yeah. For like about a solid year, it would play uh, one or two times a month, either at a festival or a theater. So I consider that to be pretty successful for a little seven-minute short film. Mm-hmm. Um, it got a few reviews. Um, one person said that I somehow managed to make um, seven minutes feel like uh, four hours, which is great. That's a... <laughs> Like, I, thank you. Guess. <laughs> <Thank you. laughs> <laughs> but um, it's. Uh, I still really want to make the actual feature length of it, and so um, I'm currently revising the script right now, and hopefully getting that to get shot. Right. You can call it Seven Minutes in Hell. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> Come for cool. the seven minutes. <laughs> what drew you into making documentaries? Oh, um, that's just something I think I've like always wanted to do and just been very like fascinated by. Um, there's just so many cool stories out there to like collect and share like with people. Um, I'm a huge fan of documentaries like myself and it's, um, it's definitely not easier than making like a narrative like film because uh, it has its own separate challenges and you have to get people to open up to you or else it's gonna like suck, you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> but um, there's a little bit more flexibility with documentaries, um, like where you're not as tied to shooting schedules and timelines as you are with the other kind of stuff. So um, I had done a lot of like behind the scenes documentaries for Wicked Pixel Cinema, um, just uh, DVD bonuses, and then a feature length on the making of Deadwood Park um, which later got released by like Toad and um, then Marcus and I were kind of like in between projects and we're like you know like let's like revisit this let's you know actually like make something and we decided to go with the extreme cinemas genre because obviously that's something we both know like a lot about and had a lot of connections to people like in there so that's how uh, Beyond Horror kind of came about. And it turned out really good. I, yeah, I can't wait to get, to get a copy of that. And we talked to Marcus a little bit on his interview about when it's coming out. So it's kind of undefined at the moment, but I yeah. think it's going to blow up when you guys figure out a way to to get that streamed. Um, yeah, it's just a matter of getting it done properly, you know, mm-hmm. um, finding like the right situation. I think sometimes people are like a little afraid to take it on on the streaming because of what it covers. Yeah. But I'm like, honestly, it's no worse than the other shit we were talking yeah. about with uh with i think it was steven about don't fuck with cats how it's like if that can get on netflix beyond horror should be i think that was marcus but yeah marcus, but yeah yeah yeah, yeah. So. And, and that was one where i mean i am I am not an easily offended person, <laughs> yeah. but um, the the spirit of don't fuck with cats. I really disagreed with the way that they went about like a lot of things like in that documentary. Um, and uh, that was definitely like one where like I was not like impressed with it. I, I kind of yeah, like, cheap shots. I was more impressed with I guess Netflix for having the balls to put it out. But then yeah, if you if you tore apart the actual um, person that put it together, it was like I think it was too exposing and too glorifying um, of just like and yeah, and they, I think that could have been a shorter documentary. Um, I mean, they might as well just show the whole fucking thing during the whole you know. Oh, yeah. um, <clears throat> like you, you see the kitten that you know is gonna die 
but we mm-hmm. just played the sound and we cut away from it. I'm like, fuck you. You still went yeah. there with it. Yeah, you know? we left and our imaginations to be there and like enough to like know and imagine that exact kitten, you know? Right. Um, yeah. Actually, and, and I just thought that was cheap. <laughs> yeah, I actually enjoyed it quite a bit. I was really engaged during it and I was like, man, I wish more documentaries were like this. But at the same time, I can totally see where you guys are coming from because I think it's just really hypocritical on what can be released on on that platform or oh, any yeah. platform pretty much nowadays. I mean, I think oh, it was yeah. a I think it was in a way a a good step to try to like see, you know, what you can get away with because, um, you know, I'm sure Netflix doesn't mind in going into extreme cinema, but also is afraid to just because they're afraid of like offending or doing whatever or whether it's, you know, there's an audience for it or whether it's worth it to, you know. Well, it's really but, easy for families like if you have a kid, you know, just to like turn on. It's so easy for a kid to just get on a Netflix account and watch freaking Gaspar Noe's Love or something like that. <laughs> yeah. Because I was like, I, I, yeah. like, why are we watching? I was like, that was the first time I think I've ever like kind of been flipping through Netflix, and you know, and it starts to kind of just play it if you're just hovering yeah. over it for too long. And I was like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> you know, like the first five minutes, they're just like jerking each other off, and I'm like, a kid could see that. Yeah, no. Yeah, and like my kid is very disciplined, and like he on his own goes to his own Netflix account, but like <laughs> any kid could could easily i'm sure there's a way to put a password on it but there is yeah, yeah but like you just i don't know it just seemed like really like out in the <clears> open <throat> yeah well i mean there's other shit on there too so oh, yeah 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 our kids get smart about like setting up their own and setting up a one-week trial or you know <laughs> <laughs> they get a vpn nowadays yeah and figure out some way to hack the system yeah and they're <laughs> like, like i have everything free all the porn sites free <laughs> all the <laughs> like, I'm like all my little tablets Disney princess tablet you know (laughs) how did you start working with Eric Stanzi um I uh just asked for an internship um I was living in St. Louis like at the time and uh really 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 wanted to get into film and I originally wanted to go to New York City and work for Troma (laughs) But I uh, didn't have the money or the means to like make it out there, and I had uh, read about like Wikipedia Cinema and uh, uh, reached out to them and was like, "Hey, <laughs> you want a free worker?" And uh, that turned into like a seven-year like thing. <laughs> nice. What was the first thing you guys worked together on? Um, that was actually a, a Patrick Voss film. Who? Oh, if Patrick's watching this, I'm sorry, but I think this was the only thing Patrick technically directed. He's normally um, an effects artist, but it was a film called Inbred Redneck Alien Abduction, (laughs) Um, which is like a like super fun, like Donzo sci-fi movie. And um, that's what Eric was producing like at the time. So that's how I kind of got in. And the first proper Wicked Pixel movie was uh, Savage Harvest 2, directed by Jason Chris. Cool. Is Wicked Pixel still around? Um, I think. Because <laughs> I, I, I remember seeing, I just haven't seen them in a while. Yeah, about... I I don't have a contact with any of them like anymore, and I actually haven't seen anything <laughs> from them for a while. But I I feel like. <laughs> so, um, how was working with the director of uh, Bizarre Sexual Deviant? Because that was like the only thing that he did as well, right? That's actually Eric. <laughs> is that? 
<laughs> yeah. No, it says it on Zert. On Zert Seneca. Seneca. Yeah, it does Seneca. kind of sound like a fake name now that I think about it. <laughs> yeah, that that was uh, that was Eric Stancy. Oh, was Eric Stancy? Okay, because I was wondering. I was like, because it seems I was like they they all seemed like they're connected. <laughs> yeah. And because yeah, like because you you have the same Nas character through everything too. Yeah. Which is my second question. Like, what is up with being Nas on everyone? Is that is that all those characters characters connected? Um in a little way uh like so that was like when i was doing more of like the acting and modeling thing um so that was my like name um, oh okay and um i never like meant to hide it from the jesse sites name but it was more of a name to like um, you know sort of separate it out if like that makes sense right. so that's why they're like merged the same on the imdb page but yeah back when i was like kind of like attempting to do like the scream queen thing and um I don't know if you guys remember uh, Bizarre Magazine at all. It was out of yeah. England. I used to model in that magazine um, under that name, like for quite a few years. And stuff. Okay. Yeah, it was just like a little alias. Okay, because I saw the parentheses, so I was just kind of making sure what that was, if that was yeah. like, I kind of figured that was like a side name that you went by at the time or something like that. Yeah. yeah, it was just a performance name. I also did like burlesque, like under that name too. Like. Okay. So what was the name Nas then? What was that? Like, what was the meaning behind it? Uh, short for Nosferatu. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's super edgy. Nice. No, I like it. I did one stage performance of a, at a strip club of just doing like an amateur strip night. And I just went by sister, uh, sister Christian and, and, and <laughs> danced to Christian death. <laughs> Dude, that's amazing. I got third place. Damn, I, I want that on video. <laughs> I have it somewhere if you really want. Oh man, I, I could be like a Patreon. Perk. I got in trouble actually for. If you're not supposed to share, um, expose your bare butt. There's supposed to be some kind of cloth on your g-string or whatever. I just bare butt showed off, and so that I got in trouble. Um, Sister Christian might be like one of the best like male stripper names I've heard in a long time. I think it's like one of the best stories I've heard on this podcast. <laughs> I keep surprising you. I'm sure I'll I'll, come, I'll I'll throw out some here. I know <laughs> we're like an old married couple, but we still keep finding things out about each other. You gotta keep uh, icy. <laughs> I'll tell you my story about my grandparents' funeral. We were all my sisters and I went to a strip club and we almost got kicked out. I'll tell you that story later. <laughs> what was your role in the scenes in the cat captives? In the captives, so. That has um, been renamed. Um, when I was in it, it was "I spit on your corpse, I piss on your grave." <laughs> yeah, is what that was called. Um, and it was supposed to be, you know, it follows that ancient tradition of indie films, like make being the unofficial sequel of that. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. you could almost do like a whole show on. I am you know, actually like- doing an unofficial. I have like. Uh, <laughs> 15 or something unofficial i spit on your grave like i spit yeah. you on your grave i um <laughs> i piss on your uh, corpse there's there's a bunch of ones um i remember seeing I this at suncoast video though um oh yeah, yeah it, it got out there, there cause it was put out by um severosa studios um who was like ron bond and uh oh hold on one second yeah no problem Sorry, my dog was like oh. barking like crazy. I was just saying, yeah, uh, I have, uh, yeah. I have that, and then I also have this too, which is actually it has a collection of that, and then plus. Oh the... yes, I haven't even seen that. I this actually is awesome. That, 
Like yeah, I have, I've only yeah. seen this once. I have another CR coming, uh, which has um, Kill Girl and a bunch of other ones on there, um, which I'm stoked for, so. Yeah, so that was, um, yeah, uh, Severus the Studios, like, was putting that out. And so, you know, he used to really, like, get into places, like, with that, um, when there were more places available to sell videos, too, of course. You know, this is kind of, like, dating all of us, <laughs> right, you know, because, uh, there's hardly any like Suncoast anymore video stores. Um, mm -hmm. But Ron, like back in the day, really did get like a lot of that like up there, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, all of those movies, like the Subrosa Extreme ones, um, like everything that you just showed them <laughs> on that like a uh, little pack and stuff, mm -hmm. you know, it was part of, I always coin it as like the shelf fillers, you know. Mm -hmm. And with every new format that comes out, there's always like this you know, onslaught of films that just get made. <laughs> mm. And so um, like in the 70s, that's like where you got like your grindhouse like films mm. like from, you know, because it was like they needed content to fill like the drive-in theaters. And then definitely like in the VHS days, like back in the 80s, there's like some really random ass like shit, you know, that like came out. And um, it's good for us, like, but it's bad for the public. Like they're gonna see <laughs> Deadly Spawn in in the big box and be like, "Oh shit, we gotta rent Ooh, that." That looks this amazing. Is a real movie. <laughs> yeah, it's like, <laughs> yeah, it, and it's the same with uh, when DVD first came out. It was like a new thing. Like people were scrambling to like fill their shelves, and so Subrosa Extreme sort of like filled in that gap, and you know, um, you just fire off all these films that were made for like five to six thousand dollars you know mm -hmm. so um so one person that did where was his only movie was jim Ware um with uh satan's cannibal holocaust how was working with him with that being his only project or his only so, directed yeah, project jim is um uh still a really good friend of mine and he works on like really big budget stuff now um as mm -hmm. a gaffer um he's like based out of new orleans um mm -hmm. and at the time, you know, he was like really going for it and was like um, a really climbing up and coming like photographer um, mm -hmm. who would shoot stuff like, um, you know, the kind of thing you would see like on Suicide Girls or like, mm -hmm. you know, Alt Nation or whatever. And um, he was actually, I thought, like a really good director. And I always wanted to see him do more stuff. I, I know that previous to that, he had done like some like short films and things mm -hmm. like of that nature, but that was like the first like feature length like kind of thing he did and um I mean the film was cheesy as hell and I'm mm -hmm. my like saying that like by design like a very cheesy movie but I thought it was good and I thought he could have like definitely continued on with it but um I'm sure just like so many of us it's just finding like the resources money mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, to go it's on. a lot and I think like once he realized making one he's like all right I did it but maybe I won't do that again <laughs> Yeah, a lot, you know. Like I did it. Let's check that off. But you know. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. Hopefully, maybe one day he'll like revisit it, like again, like several years, like later, because he definitely does have like that sensibility, you know. Mm -hmm. With faces of snuff, what was your opinion on the publicity stunt of that? Some of the snuff was real. Oh. <laughs> I just I never thought people would really like buy it <laughs> I mean Shane had kind of told us like early on you know what the deal was like with it and of course like we all tried to make ours 
well not all of us <laughs> most of us were trying to make it like as realistic you know as possible or just to at least believe that it was like some weird ass like found footage at, mm-hmm. at the very least um but i was just like i just don't think people are gonna buy it and i don't think that that really like the gimmick took off i think people mm-hmm. sought it out because it's called faces of snuff and stuff is bitch and cover you know yeah. and it's cool that you're getting all these different artists like working on it but um to my knowledge no one ever actually like believed mm-hmm. that it was real yeah no i don't think any and i i, I like anthologies i think snuff anthology is a great idea like the whole um there's a few other ones that are somewhat somewhat decent as well like the snuff tapes um oh yeah and the, like, those are fairly decent but um but yeah i felt like some of those were like very hit and miss like with a with a few of the shorts there was a there was a time when everyone was making their their own snuff underground Mm -hmm. snuff tape in like their friend's basement and there were so many shorts coming out at the time so it did get kind of flooded there with like short films about snuff but yeah now they're just every once in a while coming out like dv and it works well with the sov subgenre so when sov was like really big like that was like all right well pseudo snuff perfect (laughs) it's like they go really hand in hand um so it just sucks because like with those types of projects like i feel there is like a lot you can say like in them you know even within like the faux snuff genre Mm -hmm. and you don't have to have any money to make them right you know because actually kind of the shittier they look the better right because then it's more realistic mm-hmm. um but i just i always hated that it and i i don't know the reason why but it, that it became so male dominated um like within that and i think that it kind of um stunted like the growth of like that genre like specifically because after a while it yeah. did the same thing <clears throat> can't and think of a single reversed role well uh, there was the august underground like oh uh, well yeah well that's but i mean there. that's yeah co-ed i guess yeah yeah <laughs> like a co-ed type yeah. of deal but that's why i wanted to make um the fucked anthology um which is all women you know mm. oh cool doing, Talk like about extreme that. um so um yeah like that like was just born out of like i wanted to like inspire more women to like pick up the camera and like make mm-hmm. violent subject matter um because as somebody who loves that genre like very much i still get like very like it's like okay you're pretending to like rape this actress who you have like clearly like a crush on and it's like weird and kind of like crossing like epic like lines like when these things like get made and they're not made very well and it's just very like redundant so i i put out a call and i was like hey anyone like identifying as a woman if you want to make something like extreme i'm producing this anthology called fucked and like let's let's do this you know let's come out here and do it and so um we like assembled some like really cool stuff with that and it is different you know um and in my publicity materials that I'm getting ready to like come out with it, it's going to be released by um, uh, Jonathan Doe, Future Productions oh, cool. is, is releasing it. Um, and I want to like set people's like expectations like for it because I'm like, this isn't like Faces of Snuff, you know, it is different because it's being directed by different people, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, so they're approaching these things in a very like different way. But um, I hope it hits and I hope it like just, inspires different people to pick up their camera and actually like contribute to that like genre i think that's just like very 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 important um because 
filmmaking is like very hard and it's hard to get like your message across and it's hard to get down the budgets and you can make a name for yourself in the micro budget world but there's just this misconception that it's like a boys club you know mm-hmm. which it really mm-hmm. isn't but that's just who was like making it you know so yeah. that was my way of trying to like even that out like a little bit so hopefully like it lands you know and I don't see any information about that. Is that on, like, where can people figure out more about that movie and its release? Where it's coming out? Um, yeah. Following Puget Productions and also following my uh, public channels, which is um, Acid Goth Forever on Twitter and Instagram. Mm. Um, I haven't put it up on IMDb yet because our lineup isn't um, finalized, finalized. We're still okay. holding out, like, on a couple, like, different things. Um so I'm hoping in the next like couple months, like all of that will be like wrapped up and I can do, you know, like the big press release and actually have like a web presence like for that. Okay. Yeah. I think Jonathan Doe was talking about that a little bit on his, he mentioned, episode, yeah. that was a long time ago. So I've been, it's kind of been in the back of my mind, like wondering when that was come out and yeah. we want to have you back. He brought on. it up on the degenerates screening, I think. Yeah. yeah. We want to have you back on after Chum Bucket, but maybe we could, have you on after that and chum bucket and then we can go over like kind of oh, yeah. that's mm-hmm. going to be two really big releases <laughs> in the underground yeah and, like we could even do like the the discord thing like for fucked you know that's like something that i have like all the rights to like exhibit that too oh, cool. you know and, and have like some like the ladies like on it and like talking about it you know and mm-hmm. stuff. Um, oh, that'd be a blast so yeah, yeah totally and, I'm super proud of it. And and we were making it like over the pandemic too. So it has taken like a little bit longer, like everything. <laughs> so is it like, is it just in editing phases or is it done editing? Um, it's, there's a couple that still need a few polishes in like the edit. And um, then it's a matter of putting it with the wraparound. But um, mm. we had our premiere already with the working cut at Nightmares Film Festival. Um, they did that as one of their midnight features, uh, which Nightmares is so excellent when it comes to like extreme and weird underground films. Like cool. they are like really honoring like that and like growing that like with their platform, um, which is awesome. Like they'll definitely like they premiered Twenty Nine Needles, you know, um, mm-hmm. and stuff that other people like won't touch because they're chicken shit. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then needles go where? Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> understand it <laughs> like don't program it um <laughs> so um yeah i'm really really excited like about it and like i said i hope that it just makes more people realize that they can do it and that it's achievable and like i want that movement to happen you know where we're just getting different perspectives like in there that's awesome so how did you get involved with the film crew on death care on death care oh wow yeah um so that was through marcus actually um we had like started like doing like effects together like by that point and he had done like a few other things with them so um they came out and they're like we're shooting all these like crazy nurse psas (laughs) and uh you know it it was like an intense day of shooting i want to say like we shot for like eight to 12 hours somewhere like there and it was just uh all these nurses like ripping people's faces off or biting dicks off and like all this like really super like fun stuff so that that was a blast but um yeah Yeah. marcus had worked with 
those filmmakers like previously. So that's how we got into the death care. <laughs> yeah, I'm assuming you you and Marcus work on a lot of films together then, right? Since you're both kind of in, in effects. Like what 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 um big movies or big movies have you both worked on that were very much like hands on with both of you? Um, the biggest one is Jacob's Wife, definitely. Um, we were the only two effects people um on that which i don't mm-hmm. know if you guys have seen it yet but that's like kind of crazy when you watch it and how much my wife presley watched it you met her earlier she loved yeah. it and i was like why did you watch it without me like i wanted to see it so bad <laughs> so she's gonna watch it again with me and i'm really Yay. excited to see her i haven't seen it yet uh, oh well to get to it it's on amazon or what is it on again it's on amazon and shutter okay okay um, yeah like so both of those and i genuinely like love that movie you know i mean that's Mm. like actually one of my favorite things that i've like ever gotten the chance like to work on but um yeah it was just marcus and i doing effects and then mary check did all of the makeup and hair um like straight makeup and even that like when you see it and you see like what an ensemble cast it was you're just like damn there was like three people holding that down you know yeah. um so skeleton crew for sure <laughs> yeah because yeah, it that's a that's pandemic movie kind of right like that was made during before the, pan- the pandemic oh it was okay yeah like we got home and a week later they shut everything down yeah which damn. was it was really weird good um, timing in a way <laughs> it is because yeah, everyone I mean, was home and they got a chance to check it out yeah and and yeah it it premiered in the pandemic so it was south by southwest premiere but it was like digital south by southwest Mm -hmm. (laughs) but it did get more people to see it and i think that it has greatly like contributed to the success of it you know um it's just people really are like responding to it and and that's what you like want (laughs) you know is for your work to like connect like with other people that's like the biggest like compliment i think well, congrats um, on that one. That's awesome. Thank you. Yeah. So that that's our biggest one that we've done. And then we've um, worked with Andre Dixon, who's probably not like a name that you know, like right now, but um, I honestly think that he's going to really blow up soon. Uh, he's got a, a short film called The Haunting of Pottersfield that's on Alter. And it's like just like a creepy ghost story type deal. Uh, Marcus and I worked together on that one. And we're going back to work on Andre's first feature film, actually, like in a few weeks down in Florida. Um, and again, it's like kind of like a ghost story type deal. I don't want to give like too much away with it. Mm-hmm. But um, we're going to be the only two effects artists like holding on like the makeup like for that. And um, it's a pretty cool like flick. And like I said, I think people are really going to like start knowing him like pretty good you know because he shoots beautifully and has like a very clear like idea of what he wants in his head and is very like articulate as a director um mm-hmm. which is hard to find <laughs> so i think people will will respond to that and then um of course like chum bucket marcus and i were both doing effects like on that which is the one that like i'm directing the american guinea pig film yeah and then stuff like barf bunny like you're both kind of hands-on yeah barf bunny and then um we did a few like gore props for the degenerates but that was mainly like james bell like those hero mm-hmm. props that you see yeah like, yeah corpse but you and, like, you more did like the blood and the uh, like effects of making it look a little bit more like you know, gooey gooey, gooey. <laughs> yeah mm-hmm. yeah but um with barf bunny marcus and i both worked together on like felicia's like head um mm-hmm. like it's like worth it. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
guys talked to her recently, right? I'm going to next week. Yay. Yeah. So it was actually really good timing. So it was actually, that's what I was like, yeah, this is actually good because it would be Stephen Barrow, then Marcus, then you, and then Felicia. So they're like all the whole you know, family of extreme horror. Yeah. Now we just need Jonathan Doe and Sam Hell right, right next to each other or something. And then hey, there you go. <laughs> there you go. That's like the scene right there. <laughs> you know? And then James um, Bell, of course. But. Oh, yeah. He's amazing like i love james bell's like prop work and yeah that like such a signature to it like you can mm-hmm. really like tell that's james bell you know like in, mm-hmm. and um it's awesome to see more and more filmmakers like picking up like his props and mm-hmm. i mean his movies are fucking awesome too i don't know if you guys have ever had a chance to check out like just james oh, yeah. bell as like a filmmaker but oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's crazy shit that's yeah. the kind of stuff that makes you feel high like even if you're not smoking or yeah and i, I love all that kind of stuff where you're just like because uh, you know, the gore necessarily isn't you know all, all there but then like the what he does with it and the creativity and the imagination and just like like what the fuck is going on and like that's you know just it kind of just working with what you have is just uh, i love that kind of stuff and it's just like oh, you yeah. can tell because of like the DIY spirit of of his work, mm-hmm. that, like and the, the longevity of his career. That like he just has something in him that he needs to get out, and that he just yeah. can't stop. <laughs> yeah, and he probably sure. won't and stop. His music and yeah, everything does for sure. It's just same with people soul. like Screamer Claws or something. It's like, why are you yes. even still doing this? Like, it's amazing, <laughs> but it's like they have something in them that's just coming out. Yeah, yeah, and they just can't help themselves. It's just yeah. who they are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're gonna keep going, you know. And both of those dudes are like really solid people too, which mm-hmm. is awesome, you know, because those are definitely like the kind of people you want to see continue on, like their. Oh, hundred percent, because they support so many people, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and there's I mean, no ego or weirdness like there. You know, no, you know. There's so many people's props are thanks to James Bell, you know. Yeah. So many people. It's almost like yeah. the ecosystem of extreme horror would change if they left. Mm-hmm. It would. It really it would. would. Like, yeah, I I absolutely agree with that. Like, they're just they're there. The effects know? would go back to looking a little bit like faker and cheaper. I think that there's a quality that has been helping like get things noticed, and it's thanks to James Bell. Absolutely. So. Yeah, and he can just like bust those like effects out. Like, I mean, like the props. I mean, there's no beating them you know and like his turnaround time and everything is like phenomenal you know? that's before take... 3d modeling and that's before all that you know how long so. does it take mm-hmm. you to make a head with a head um so if we're doing it like from like a live cast like i'd say it's like about a day to do the live casting like for the actor and um then we come in and uh pour up like the silicone like do the clay do our other silicone like wrap it do clean up um ambitiously like probably three days three well, four days yeah like good. on there and, and that's like solely working on that you know mm-hmm. like if we don't have like a million other things <laughs> that we're trying to do like with would it. that be like the most like what's your money maker like if you were like selling like body parts or something like that um, a lot of people <laughs> don't buy body parts from us because like we do charge accordingly <laughs> like mm. for it, you know. So like um a severed head because we do like the hair punching and like you know, try to make it like as realistic like as possible and everything, like we charge like a thousand dollars like 
for a severed head, you know, um, which there have been people definitely who do pay that, but it's out of some people's like budgets, like yeah. for it. Right. Um, and that's more, yeah, that's more because they have someone giving them money to do this. So, yeah. Um, I'd say that the thing that like I get hit up the most for, um, weirdly enough, are uh, teeth, because uh, I make like really fun monster teeth. <laughs> mm. And that's something that I can do like in an afternoon, like sculpt up like some original ones and then make stuff out of like friendly plastic that people can actually like pop in their mouth. Mm. Um, and I don't have to be like on set for that. I have like a generic like dental mold plate that's fine for most people. I mean, Jacob's wife, we actually like cast Bonnie Aaron's and Barbara Crampton's teeth because we're shooting longer and obviously you want like a tighter fit. But if it's like a short film or something like that, um, that's something I can easily just make with like a regular, my generic dental plate and send off to the crew, you know, which saves them a lot of money because then you're not paying like my travel expenses. You're not paying to like put me up, you know, um, and finger extensions are the other like really big ones, like monster fingers, that's um, cool. with, like crazy nails mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Um, and again, that's like something that I can just make you know, from like our workshop, like at home, and I don't have to be like on set for that. So Mm -hmm. um, I get like a lot of like enhancement, like prop work, I would like kind of coin it as, you know, just like little things that maybe like their makeup artist isn't like very can do themselves, but they don't want to make it like generic and buy it just from like a Halloween store, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's probably like the bread and butter for like, like the prop work. Okay, cool. Um, so what can you tell us about Survivor Girls in the Shed? Oh, yeah. So, um, Survivor Girls, I'm not, like, too sure what's going on with, like, the project right now, like, what, like, phase that it's in. Um, when we worked on it, uh, we got to create, like, some pretty cool, like, monster masks for it, (laughs) which was, like, really super rewarding. Um, we got to make this amazing, like, uh, monkey mask, (laughs) and, uh, the actress, like, sat, like, like a fucking champ, you know, um, we had cast her face, Marcus had, like, sculpted it, and then we applied it to her, and then we had to do makeup and hair, and it was, like, full body makeup and hair, and she sat for, like, three hours and didn't even have to, like, (laughs) this or anything you know like that whole time and I was like I wish they were not like you oh my god <laughs> um so that's what we did there but I feel like that, that scene might have had to be like reshot oh um, really yeah like I think that they like reshot like a bunch of stuff so I don't know how much that we did is going to make it up on screen when that one gets like released like unfortunately because when oh. it it came time to do like the the reshoots we were like already like on like something else and we couldn't Mm. you know it was like a prior obligation and we couldn't like get back to them unfortunately um the shed um is actually one that i made uh finger extensions and monster teeth and uh like a little makeup kit for and so i got to be like a remote effects artist (laughs) on it (laughs) so like the director and i like worked together of like what um the monster like should look like and came up like with some concepts and then he's like okay I can do blood and stuff but I need like x y and z and so um I made him like this little hair package <laughs> that I got to like send off like over there and uh, it turned out great like they showed me what the monster wound up looking like and it's like so cool mm. um and that one should be coming out like next year I, I 
Eve. It's like part of like this anthology project that they're doing. And that's why they're kind of holding off like on it. But um, yeah, the, the stuff I've seen from it, I'm like really excited for people to see it. I mean, the poster <laughs> showcases the fingernails. So yeah. <laughs> you're pretty Those much on the poster. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're cool looking. I like making like weird, gross fingers. <laughs> what titles do you recommend that you helped edit or produce? Oh, um, so that I helped edit or produce. Because it seems like there's a lot I didn't recommend. I didn't really recognize. So it was like, if anyone didn't know those films, like, what do you recommend? Recommend first, yeah. like to going back and like looking at it. Um. I'm trying to think <laughs> of like, like my favorite like ones that like I worked on. Um, I think that Ratline is like a pretty solid, interesting like thriller, um, mm. especially like on a micro budget. Um, and it's got like a lot of talented people like in it. And I'm very proud of the work that uh, that I did for Ratline. Um, so I would definitely recommend seeking that one out. Um, that's that was me with my like producer hat like on. Mm. Um, I do think that once it comes out, Fucked is like another one that like I really want people to see that like I put like so much into as a like a producer like for it. Um and I I did not produce it, but I definitely like recommend people checking out like Jacob's wife just because mm-hmm. I think that it's like a really it's like a great like throwback um without being like pandering you know like I mean I love stranger things and stuff like that but when you watch it you feel like a little pandery right you know yeah, uh-huh. but Jacob Swift has that same feeling you get like when you watch like Fright Night um and without it ripping it off so those would be like my top three for people to, to check out cool. <laughs> yeah I've been meaning to check out the line um I mean Eric Sansley does a lot of cool stuff so I'm sure like it's great yeah, so. it's, it's definitely where, and Emily Hack is, like, really good, like, in that, and of course, she's, like, the star of Scrapbook, um, mm-hmm. if you've ever, like, seen that one. Yeah, um, I've seen that. So, it's probably, like, one of her best, like, well, so outside of my cat up. <laughs> Yeah, I've seen most of his stuff. I think the, I think that's pretty much the only one I haven't seen. Um, yeah, I think that's, I think, like, the newer-ish one. Yeah. Like, he made one more, like, after that, like. And then Harvest, um, what was that? Oh, Savage like, Harvest. Yeah, Savage Harvest. And there's two of those, right? And he did both of those, right? Uh, Jason Christ actually directed the second one. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, so he's like a predominantly like an actor, but um, like Savage Harvest 2 was like his first like big um, feature length directorial thing. He'd be really cool. Is he still active? You think Eric Sanzi would do an interview? Oh, he probably would. Um, yeah. Like I said, I haven't talked to him for like a, a several yeah. years, like now. But um, I feel like he's like approachable, like for that kind of stuff. Definitely. Yeah, Dustin Mill denied, but whatever. Yeah, but that was like yeah. unfortunate. I was like, I was like, oh really? You want to? See? Oh. <laughs> but I, I respect him. He's probably busy or whatever reasons. I'm like, oh, you know, judge. Yeah. That's so. cool, dude. <laughs> I like his work a lot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, what else you got for me? Okay, um, let's go to so now that he's back. Uh, uh, what projects do you have outside of horror? Outside of horror films, um, I do a lot of photography. Um, I mainly shoot like on film. I'm totally one of those assholes that <laughs> still likes to shoot on 35 millimeter film or Polaroid. 
Um, I do a lot of painting and I also write quite a bit. Um, I'm really good at doing all of that shit and never showing anyone. Um, <laughs> so I've been uh, trying to get like a lot better at like just putting my stuff out there. Um, so people know me like for that too. So um, I've been working on um, several like short stories and like submitting them and like kind of like going through like that process which I know, you know, there's obviously like a lot of like rejection like tied to that, but I'm hoping to kind of like get back in the game with it. Um, several years ago, I actually wrote for Gothic Beauty magazine. Um, I don't know if you guys remember that, but it was always in Barnes and Noble and stuff. And it was like this alt fashion glossy. And um, that was like a pretty like fulfilling thing. You know, I did like reviews of like makeup and got to interview a lot of really cool artists. And it was awesome to just invalidating to see your work like in print like that right mm -hmm. um but uh after that kind of like went under um I sort of stopped writing in like a visible way um I still write like every day but um I just haven't shown it to anybody for a long time so mm -hmm. I'm hoping to kind of like get like in the groove with that again I mean, I was more reading on like on the writing, like um, not necessarily on just short stories I make, but if you write any short stories, like because uh, I'm more seeing if you are um, still keep up with like that or you if you ever just write stories that aren't necessarily going to be in a film. Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, that's weirdly enough, I think like I identify most as like a writer, like above like all else, you know, mm -hmm. Um and I just, I always have like, <laughs> like shit, like just like rolling around like in my head and I, I get it out, you know. Um, I handwrite most of my stuff like first, um, mm -hmm. which is like a little crazy. And then like I, I transpose it like onto like the computer and polish it up and everything. But um, I mean, I'm the kind of person who like after I read something that I really love, like I'll write a essay report on my feelings about it mm -hmm. <laughs> which is like a practice like left over from when I was like an anthropology student and just like for fun I'll write reports because I miss doing that like, it was probably <laughs> healthy in the long run it gets a lot out oh yeah like I, it's the most like cathartic like thing like for me you know I actually um, like writing essays too I don't know why I don't do it anymore yeah it's mm -hmm. fun it's like you can still do it you know mm -hmm. some people are just like you're crazy I never want to write that again but like you know I I still like really enjoy it <laughs> cool um so what has been your biggest challenge so far with chum bucket just kind of getting into chum bucket oh wow so chum bucket faced it was up against a lot um there was uh some absolute problems <laughs> with some people that I had brought on um, who work on Chum Bucket. Um, personal who, issues. Yeah, like the deep personal issues. But um, and it's just it comes up sometimes, like on film sets, you know. Mm -hmm. And it, it's just one of those things. And not everybody gets along, even though you think that you're going to be like really compatible with a person and a working relationship. And you don't know until you get into it you know, unfortunately, sometimes you think everything is copacetic and you, you get there and y'all just have completely different ideas about how to go about things. And so unfortunately, um, Chum Bucket faced that very early on. And, um, which of course is hard, right? It's like my sophomore film. Um, I, I love the guinea pig series, the original. I love the American guinea pig series. Um, I, begged and worked very hard to be 
given the opportunity like to do chum bucket um so it, it meant a lot and still means a lot to me so it's like very embarrassing when you have to like go to your producer and just be like ha, we pretty much have to start over sorry <laughs> you know and um yeah and so from there it was just like you got to pick yourself back up because you kind of have like two options you can either just be like I'm going to set myself on fire and disappear <laughs> or I'm going to like just keep fucking going because this is like important to me and I promised that I would do this you know um and I am a very tenacious person so I have just kept going but uh shooting a micro budget film that has a lot of expectations because of the series that it belongs to mm-hmm. in the middle of a pandemic is not the most advisable thing <laughs> in terms of, of ease. Well, what's the plot again? It's it's kind of bigger than some of the other guinea pigs, right? Yeah, it is. And and that was like, whoo, what have I got myself into? But we're pulling it off. <laughs> but uh, the idea is it is this like shut down aquarium and a serial killer has kind of taken on like the caretaking duties of the shark tank. And kills people and hacks them up and feeds them. uh, That's freaking awesome. So it's definitely coming along with like, you know, Eaten Alive by Toby Hooper, you know, like invoking like those kinds of memories. That's what Um, I was thinking about. That's awesome. (laughs) (laughs) So how does does the Chum Bucket title go into it then? Um, I'm making chum out of the people. (laughs) It's a big sloppy chummy mess, you know. And um, it's definitely like, uh, going back to the roots of what I feel the guinea pig films are, which is like, you know, just crazy special effects that are just completely gory and fucked up and, you know, like go on. Um, so we've got some really good kills. Uh, we did wind up getting like a really good cast together. Um, Felicia Fisher um, is part of it. And mm-hmm. uh, she was absolutely like amazing like um her her death scene like she actually like went pale (laughs) while we were filming her death scene um because she she just gets into that headspace and like really works herself up and keep going and you keep shooting it and then when it kind of stopped and i'm just like you know and she's like yeah why and i'm like because you're like five shades wider than you normally are you know um but she's actually like a very incredible actress and yeah I'm super excited to see like, or have people see her in that light, like with it. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, I think that she's going to, I mean, she is popping off like already, but I mm-hmm. think even more so like the underground world and like the horror world is going to really come. To yeah. Life. Even thrust, like her being a thrust, I think is going to be a big thing too. Once that comes out. Absolutely. You know? Um, and I want to see her just keep popping up for more things like mm-hmm. that. Right. You know, um, because He's definitely like worthy of that. So that was exciting, like to work with her. Um, and uh, Sadie Katz is in it. Um, she's another one who's in like a lot of like different like horror films. You know, um, if you like look her up on like IMDb, you know, she's been mm. in quite a few things. And um, yeah, when we were like out in LA, she very graciously like came out and like filmed with us there. And 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 she was just very like sweet and very professional and like I don't know, just like a good good experience. You know, mm. like. With- um, so yeah, Marcus and I have been working away like at the effects like angle of it. Um, with this particular one, it's definitely showcasing Marcus's work. You know, like I mean, we're both doing it, but this is like his like design, like with it. Mm-hmm. He's obviously got like 
20 years on me <laughs> with experience, you know, and like how he can like orchestrate like all of that. Yeah. Um, so I think that it's going to be worth it, like in the end, you know, mm-hmm. but there's definitely like times where this movie has been like extremely stressful. <laughs> yeah. What did you do for the shark? Uh, for the shark, we filmed real sharks. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so we went to a totally sketch aquarium um, in the um, in Branson, Missouri, <laughs> where people have like sharks as pets and make like zoos out of it. <laughs> mm. And um, yeah, they had a just treated the tank, and so the water looked even more murkier than like usual. And we literally just like slipped them some money and let them let us like film the sharks like eating and swarming and everything mm-hmm. like that. So there are real shark babies in there. That's <laughs> awesome. Is really fun and, and definitely just adds like a really fun like element mm-hmm. like to it, you know. The sharks weren't the cast members you were having problems with, were they? No, they were actually <laughs> more well behaved than the humans. So. <laughs> Um, you don't have to get into it but uh, i heard something about a death chair with felicia fisher it's like (laughs) is there any inspiration from that like from the broken nine inch nails video or something (laughs) (laughs) the death chair we were trying to put our heads together and really figure out something because we've we filmed it in multiple locations so part of it was like filmed out in like los angeles and then part of it filmed out in illinois and we needed something other than just like a table you know i mean there's definitely some table scenes like in there but we wanted to get like clever with it and so we're like okay like a chair you can do cool things with people in a chair and we needed a chair that could be like disassembled and reassembled and jeremy cruz actually designed the death chair in chum bucket um Mm. which is really cool like (laughs) he really really helped me out like on that one and I just sort of like we were just loosely talking about like oh we need to have people like shackled and and this and that and then Jeremy like ran with the idea and like we got to LA him and Stephen Byro's like apartment and like right in the middle of the living room is like this fucking amazing chair (laughs) that is I think it's like own character like in the movie um because it Mm -hmm. has like such a like fucking presence and I was like oh my god Jeremy and and of course this is like Jeremy Cruz who did the August Underground mm-hmm. stuff you know was like, Jeremy Cruz still living with Stephen Byro at the time or yeah he was still like they were still roommates like at the time okay. so okay. um and he just like busted out like in an afternoon you know and he, as like a favor and just like being a cool dude um and he's a really awesome guy and so yeah it's the you know he deserves credit specifically for that chair and like when the movie comes out y'all will like see what I mean by that definitely mm. its own <laughs> its own animal but uh that is the chair that uh felicia winds up like dying. <laughs> cool it's cool <laughs> uh where are you in the production on the film we are still in post <laughs> and steven's probably gonna like listen to this podcast and be like this is where they're really at and <laughs> we're still uh doing effects pickups like on oh, okay. basically like where we're at and we just want to take like our time with those and make sure that they're everything that people are like expecting from a guinea pig film, you know what location um, are you shooting those at 
oh, we're actually shooting that like in our home. Oh. Um, and we, we kind of like designed everything to where it's like very easy to like recreate like the death like chamber at. And these are like very punched in. It's like gore insert insert shots. Mm. So like we have everything with the actors and the wides and like the establishing of it. So this is like kind of really getting down now to like the nitty gritty and, you know, the cool gross out effects people like come to expect from the series. Are you guys doing all the photography stuff too and the effects or are you? Yeah. Oh, wow. So we're, yeah. <laughs> so it's just you two. It's all that's on deck for the, for the rest of this. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, it's just us. So it's like, it's a good thing we work well together, you know, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's just us with it. And um, you know, really, cause there wasn't like a lot, of money to like go around like for it so it's and and i pay my crew you know like when i can and i mean i definitely wouldn't mind having extra help but it's just kind of like the thing where i feel weird about asking people to like do things for free you know Mm -hmm. um and stuff just because even if you're just giving somebody like 50 dollars, i think it's like a sign of respect you know and Mm -hmm. um we just really don't have like that extra like money right now and you guys are pretty self-sufficient so yeah even I though mean, it's we, harder yeah we push can through. do it you know yeah, mm-hmm. for sure so how does it feel to be part of the uh, american guinea pig legacy it didn't seem real until the rue morgue article came out mm. <laughs> um because it was still like a very much like very focused on just trying to get mm. this project finished and done and overcome like the hurdles like with it um so it was um yeah when I saw that like imprint <laughs> in rumor, which of course, like I grew up like reading Fangoria and rumor, um, that's when it really seemed real. And so it feels cool. Like it feels mm-hmm. very good. Um, sometimes there's like a little bit of like imposter syndrome going on, like with it, uh, just because there aren't like a lot of women who direct these kinds of films or write these types of films. Um, like I was kind of talking about before. So you're just sort of like, well, I mean, what the fuck am I doing here? <laughs> but then I have to remind myself, like, I have, like, worked, like, very hard, like, to get to this point, And I will continue to work, like, very hard, like, after it as well. So it's definitely not one of those things that I'm just doing arbitrarily, you know. Um, these are the types of movies that I want to pursue, like, as a filmmaker. So it's very important. Yeah, it's a great segue for you. So Yeah, absolutely. Every guest we've had on our show, I feel like, has brought you up and said great things about you, too. So. <laughs> I mean, every guest that's brought you up has said good things. It's, it's better. Not every saying. guest has brought you up. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that could be a little weird, but yeah. every guest that has some reason you. they always bring you up. Yeah. <laughs> but you've came, you've come up a lot, and that's what that's what got me excited about Chum Bucket. That's what got what got me excited about Beyond Horror back before I saw that. And so, yeah, it's it's cool. Word of mouth is going around about you. Thank you. I'm I'm glad it's in the positive <laughs> um, with that kind of stuff. Um, I mean, I love doing it. I, I'm working with Jonathan Doe um, in two weeks on his next erotic gore nonsense film. Um, mm-hmm. And that stars like Felicia Fisher and Little Puck like in it. Mm-hmm. And we have props from James Bell, but um, I'm going to be in charge of all onset like effects like just me. And it's like very cool. Like I said, like this is like you know people like sometimes like to use this stuff as like a springboard thinking like it's going to get them into like hollywood or whatever and and that has never interested me if i never do anything 
bigger than Jacob's wife level, I would honestly be completely like fine with that. Like, yeah. I love really visceral, fucked up exploitation movies. And it's just an honor that my career is finally like at a point where I don't have oh. to work at the day job like right now. And I can like just focus on like effects mm. and like making fucked up stuff. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just stoked to be able to, I did that whole $400 um, exclusive or executive producer thing that he did. So, oh, yeah. and, and I was like, yeah, even that, you know, it just feels nice to be that I know my name's going to be on it in some way, you know, it's like, it's nice, you know, and I'm not expecting anything too much of it, maybe just a little bit of like, you know, recognition in some way, but I don't know, nothing too much. It's fun. To throw down. That's, mm-hmm. I mean, and it's so like appreciated because like on sets like that, that goes like really far, you know, like 400, like pays like for like a lot, you know? And I mean, Jonathan Doe is like a good person to like get behind. Like, I mean, he's really on top of like what he's doing, you know? And I mean, just like those like releases, you know, they come out like with like the box set, you know, and you get the poster and like the little barf bags that like come with it. And like, mm-hmm. I mean, he's just putting like so much like thought into what he's releasing. And, and that's what you need to do. Cause like, I mean, really, if you don't do that, then they're just going to download your shit and you're mm-hmm. going to get any money. Like you might get a few, yeah. like your first initial sales, but as soon as that first person that rips it, then, you know, so you have to make packages, you have to do limited releases, you have to make great artwork, you have to make stuff that like, people want to have, like they want to yeah. own it, they want to have it on their shelf. So, you know, it's cool that he just, and I mean, and he's a collector himself. So mm-hmm. I think he just kind of like understands that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And kind of like, is like, what would I think would be cool? What would I want on my shelf, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but there's just so much care. And he is also just like, so easy to work mm-hmm. with <laughs> like mm-hmm. I can't like overstate that like enough mm-hmm. um there are a lot of people in micro budget cinema that are not easy people to work mm-hmm. with you know even if like I love and care about them they're just they're very difficult mm-hmm. <laughs> and you're just like I don't know why you're being so difficult because then yeah. I'm millionaires here <laughs> you know <laughs> but um it's just they it, they crack under pressure you know mm-hmm. they have like onset like meltdowns they have drinking problems they have drug problems <clears> you know like all this shit that just really will weigh down a set and there's none of that with him mm-hmm. you know no he's been really nice to go back and forth on because like he's been someone that i can you know been asking you know if i have any questions about or he asked me you know and we like definitely you know do a back and forth and like i appreciate that and respect that when people are like that and don't just like have this high and mighty like oh I'm this, you know, person, like, it's like, no, you're not. I mean, you've made some movies, like, just, like, be humble about it. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, like, people just want the real you. They don't want this, like, weird persona. I don't know. I mean, I think people sometimes like to pretend that they're making these, like, films in, like, the early 80s, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> in the East Village, and they're mm-hmm. just, like, fucking edgy and shit, and it's, like, that doesn't exist anymore, like, mm-hmm. even those people don't act like that anymore, so, like, mm-hmm. you trying to do that from, like, your Midwest outpost just comes off, like, very cringy, yeah. You know? <laughs> so, yeah, and, and those people don't tend to, like, last very long either, you know, because yeah. it's just, like, that why have an ego right now you know <laughs> yeah in all in all forms of art too there's people like that yeah like yeah no matter what you you run into people like that even in the business field <laughs> yeah. 
So have you started working on the second part to Beyond Horror yet? Not yet. Um, I want to. <laughs> and I have like a lot of ideas. I really want it to go to like three uh, parts, um, kind of mm-hmm. making it like my own personal like decline of Western civilization <laughs> mm-hmm. type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but we decided that we're going to step away from it um, outside of like getting it properly out in the world um Mm -hmm. just step away for like a few years and like let it percolate um Mm -hmm. the next uh documentary that we're going to do is actually like about the devil and the origins of the devil and uh it's it's really cool the the list of interviews that that we have like lined up for that Mm -hmm. and i don't think that we're honestly going to touch a second beyond horror until after we're done with that you know which is good unless more movies come out too and yeah yeah let the scene change a little bit Mm -hmm. yeah you never know where it's going to be because you know you might take two years to make this documentary and then all of a sudden this two years it's fucking changed you know drastically absolutely and and we want to be able to like honor that and there was like some bigger names that we definitely wanted for the first documentary that we didn't get and it's just because they didn't like fucking know us yet you know and um i'm hoping that when the first one comes out like in a bigger way they can see that we're like legit you know and we're not trying to be stupid about it that we're taking it like them really like share their own personal stories and i'm hoping that that will entice like a few of the people who passed on us the first time like no one was like a dick about it you know but there were definitely like people who just you could tell they get hit up a lot yeah. <laughs> and weren't taking what we were doing seriously yeah yeah Hopefully word gets around though. Yeah. <laughs> Please let me talk to you. <laughs> hey. Um, do you think red films should stay in the underground or should everything be accepted in the mainstream? Ooh, that's a good question. I actually have a lot of opinions on that. <laughs> um I think that red films should continue to be exactly as they are meaning i don't think that the makers of red films should give a shit about the content and worry about offending people i think that they should exist as this offensive visceral piece of art uh, because it's really like starting to be like one of the last formats that you can express yourself like in that way right Mm -hmm. because everything is very neutered now from all sides and that's uh, it's shitty and it's kind of like a shit time to be an artist like in general so i think red films should never ever ever censor themselves or like water themselves down i think whatever the filmmaker wants to say should have the right to say it in the manner they want to say it um so that being said um it would be cool if people would like respect it more as like a genre Um, but I also think that people need to like respect like pornography more, you know, and just horror like in general more, you know, I'm tired of something like Casper Noe being like, oh, that's fine. You know, like love is fine. You know, we show real sex, but that's not porn, you know, Mm -hmm. but then something like, you know, Felicia like makes like in her like adult films and it's like, oh, it's porn, you know, and I'm like, well, but what's the difference? You know, like, you know, it's the context in which you are watching it. Um, so I get tired of it being like, okay, for, and I'm going to totally go there now and I don't often, but 
for like an avant-garde white cisgender male to have like real sex like in his movies and then like everyone else like it's somehow like not okay and it's considered like dirty um and i feel the same way like with red films it's how you put them and how you're presenting them there's no reason why south by southwest couldn't show something that fred vogel makes you know if they put it up there and they present it like this is august underground and this is like an important like piece of like art or this is a serbian film and this is an important like entry into cinema then people will respond to that like appropriately but it's because you say that they're trash and because you won't show them like on your screens and you won't put them in their festivals and you force it like down that's the only reason why people look down on it and it has a lot to do with the torture porn label and stuff too uh really just knocked it kind of gave gave something for people like ammunition for people to just knock it down like you said yeah and I think that that's bullshit because that's not on the filmmaker. Like the filmmakers didn't ask for that label, you know. And and a Serbian film is the one that I I get really passionate about because I really honestly think that that film is beautiful and I think that it's extremely like well made and I think it's very important and like people what, take it out of context too much. Yeah, yeah. And, and they just fixate on this like one aspect of it, which when you watch it in its entirety, it's not even like it is out of. That's place. a small part. It's like barely. It's like barely in the film, really. You know, yeah. and then people just can't. They can't get over it, and mm-hmm. it ruined that director's like career, and he's never made anything else. You know, and I think that that's like completely shitty because you have this like brilliant yeah. director who really like went there. And... I mean, I mean... Yeah, he might eventually, hopefully, maybe I think he will. If you look so. at like the decade that's gone by since that movie came out, though, I feel yeah. like our culture's gotten a lot more sensitive and like politically correct since. Yeah, that it would be harder for him to because I mean, you don't you can. I mean, Jesse, do you ever worry about that that you'll do something in a movie and get canceled or something like? That? Um, I don't worry about it because I already get like enough like fucking hate mail um, <laughs> already for like what I do. And I'm just like, look, this is like what I'm about, you know. Yeah. And I'm sorry if you're wanting more or wanting different, but like, I refuse to apologize like for my art, you know. And I mean, that's probably a lot to do with like coming up in the punk scene in St. Louis, mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> which yeah. you know was like very um, take no shit. From anyone and um and i really did come up in that and so mm-hmm. i just kind of like who the fuck are you you know i mm-hmm. i don't recognize anyone as an authority figure mm-hmm. so if someone is like offended or mad at me like i really couldn't give a shit like less <laughs> and i feel uh, that i come from like the houston punk scene so i i, I never leaves you once you've yeah. had that punk mentality you're just like Try to tell anybody to fuck off and feel fine about it, you know. Yeah, <laughs> like I don't know what like you want from uh-huh. me, you know. And um, I I'm very honest like about like who I am like as a person, and um, mm. this is what I want to do with my life. But I mean, like <clears throat> I'll get the the popular one that comes up um, all the time is the fact that like you know I interviewed Lucifer Valentine for the documentary, mm-hmm. and the wrath at which people will come at me it was like unbelievable and but what's interesting marcus's name is on the documentary too right you know so it's equal parts jesse Mm -hmm. cook no one gives marcus shit like 
he's actually worked on Lucifer Valentine films. No right. one is, but the same people will like fucking come at me like on Twitter and like yeah. in inbox, and I'm just like, you know, you need to like unpack a lot. It's like it's because they want you fighting on their side, probably. Yeah. Oh, they do. And, yeah. oh, well, you're like a shitty feminist. And I'm like, oh, I actually never said I was a feminist. <laughs> you yeah. know? So, you know, and uh, which I don't consider myself. <laughs> maybe in their mind, they feel like they're you're an easier target than Marcus. And, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. Maybe that's the only thing I can think of. But Oh, no, I think so. I mean, I called like one person out on it because she was trying to like drag me into like some kind of Twitter drama, like about the whole thing. And I was like, why is it that you're like crazy rot? marcus's film you know but you're like calling me out like publicly and not him Mm -hmm. you know so clearly you're aware of him and he's the one that's actually like worked on the films like that's how i was able to interview lucifer valentine is directly because of marcus you know and of course she didn't have anything to say but you're right like people think because like i'm (laughs) female you know like i'm an easier target and it's like yeah you got that wrong (laughs) also (laughs) from the stance of a journalist like if you have a chance to like interview someone that you considered evil why would you give up that right and there's been plenty of people that have interviewed people that they don't necessarily agree with yeah yeah like Like, richard ramirez ted bundy you know they were all interviewed do you think that those people who interviewed them condone everything that those men did you know but i mean people want to hear what people have to say so why give up that opportunity um and it's just the hard part sometimes is coming at it from a non-biased standpoint but um if you can get past that then do the interview with whoever you know it says nothing about who you are no yeah and and i think that like some of it maybe stems to which i did a a podcast um with kelly gardner um uh, who does spencer's of horror and where we discuss lucifer yeah i've listened to that one yeah and i think that people like really took out of context like what we were saying you know because Mm -hmm. i was like hey look if i actually like talked to people who were abused by him and i actually saw like real proof yeah fuck that dude and i was like but as it stands i've actually gone out of my way to like contact actresses who were part of it and they didn't have anything like bad to say about him and i'm like Mm -hmm. look i've looked into this and it's like i think that this is stemming from people hating the Soska sisters, you know, and there was like that smear campaign against them mm-hmm. like a few years ago. Because they spoke out and they're trying to, you know. Yeah. It, and I mean the Soskas have done stuff too that's not good, you know. I mean mm-hmm. that's that's its own thing, you know. But people were trying to like really rev up their ammunition against them. And so they dig it up that they're in like this Lucifer Valentine film. And then all of a sudden these like victims are coming out of like the woodwork right you know and i'm like oh that's like a little weirdly timed you know um but if something bad happens something bad happened but it's like i can't all i'm seeing are these like really obscure reddit threads that's all <laughs> you know like too. do it and you know that's all i broke it down with i was like hey look you know if he's like an asshole he's like a fucking asshole and like fuck mm. him but you know this is what i've experienced and then that somehow was like victim blaming you know people's yeah. like minds i'm like okay whatever. yeah i mean there's just people they're like oh, i have screenshots but i'm not going to release them because it's of somebody's personal life and I, I get that but you're the one that brought it brought up that you know we can change their name and just i mean i don't know but there's yeah yeah um 
So anyway, yeah, so it's us. That, yeah. Yeah. I'm glad <laughs> so you got a chance to do that though, to interview. Yeah. Them. Yeah. I know that is awesome. And then also get the interview from Warren Doro too. I know yeah. you didn't. Yeah. And that was and like that a big was, thing. That, that was a big one. And then like another one too. It's like, you know, you're coming at me for like, what Lucifer Valentine did or didn't do, but like I was like, do you know about like marrying Dora? Because <laughs> I'm like, that's like way more not like on the level. Yeah. <laughs> I just proves that a lot of people don't really know what they're talking about. Yeah. It's just yeah. like imagine the vomit gore trilogy, but with poop. Yeah, <laughs> with poop and killing animals and like mm-hmm. all this like fucked up shit, you know. Like, I mean that dude's like gone. Apparently mutilating corpses and one of the yeah. shorts I was talking like hearing about. Yeah, that's yeah. the thing that happened, you know. <laughs> then mm-hmm. they're just like they don't know him, and they don't mm-hmm. know the scene. And and I think a lot of people go out of their way to be like offended these days, mm-hmm. you know. So whatever. Which is why all we have is paranormal films in theaters right now, right? Whatever. Really no, quick, so, I wanted to ask you though, what do you think when you watch those paranormal movies and the makeup is CGI? I'm always disappointed. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I am because I actually like a good paranormal film, you know, like that stuff mm-hmm. will like wig me the fuck out, definitely. You know, um like uh oh fuck it had a really generic name, but it was like Nighthouse. I think it just like came out recently where like her husband is like dead and there's like a haunting, you know, she's living by herself by a lake. Um was scary as fuck you know like the lead-ups like do it you know but yeah the cgi makeup i'm just like you could have hired a makeup artist and like made this way better but like mm-hmm. now we just get a cgi blob at the end and i just think it's, right, it's, it's rough <laughs> and it, um, my son is really into the conjuring movies i think he might be finally Aww. getting over that phase but he was <laughs> into them for a while and he t- he took me to see well i guess i took him because it was rated r but to see the third <laughs> one and all of the the all the supernatural characters were CGI'd makeup. Mm. Whole, and this is like a huge movie. Yeah. And that's that's the route they go. And to me, I think they do it because they don't want the audience getting too scared. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that's part of it. Uh, especially like the Conjuring movies. That's a great example. Because like, I do like enjoy them. They're like bedtime movies to me, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but they're definitely like, somebody's first horror movie like they're designed to be my first horror film like poltergeist was for us right you know um even though poltergeist is infinitely like more scary than those movies so i i do like them but yeah i think that they they try to tone it down because they're aware the kids are watching those you know and that they're not like explicitly marketed to children but they know that that's what kids are it's so weird they're rated r like not one of that series should be rated r not even the annabelle movies no there's nothing rated r about it i mean there can be like some intense moments but i'm like for god's sakes like jaws is like pg you know like you gotta make that (laughs) no so getting to the last four questions they're actually the same yeah they're the same questions that i actually asked marcus but i wanted to ask you basically the same questions, but so the last four questions asked Marcus. Um, but uh, so, what films have uh, messed you up mentally? Ooh, let's see here. Oh, that's. I always like draw like blanks, like when I like get to it. Um, you suppress it, and we're like, don't want to yeah, remember. Yeah, <laughs> like what? What is like really like fucked with me? Um, Candyman, 
still fucks with me the first Candyman film mm-hmm. uh, I think it's completely like unnerving um I think because most of what happens happens in the daylight you know uh, for one I think that that's always like infinitely more unnerving than the dark because you're like I'm safe in the day you know um I think because they're basing it on Cabrini Green and there's like a lot of like internalized like things that come like with it you know um so it's just it's still terrifying <laughs> to, to sit there and like watch it that's like one that I, I can't like watch like before I go to sleep or anything or I have to watch something <laughs> like immediately like after yeah I think the scary part some kind of comedy after how he like basically frames everyone to make them look like they're the murderer and, and like basically he's it's like he mind fucks you <laughs> but <laughs> um yeah like so for the ring i wish i had never watched it again so it oh. would have stayed scary for me you know um because now i'm just like yeah whatever you know but like when she that bitch crawls out of the tv <laughs> the first time it really the yeah. ring or ringu which one? um the ring yeah the ring it. is scary right? i i actually yeah. saw the ring and then ring you later and then i actually i mean i saw it in the theaters and it actually freaked me out i remember when like first seeing it and i was actually kind of surprised that it was something out of mainstream like the ring was pretty good like freaked me the fuck out when i first saw it are there any films that are too much for you <sighs> no <laughs> i i'm pretty like jaded at this like point i mean i i love to be scared and i love that like sensation but it's like been a long time since i was like actually like scared unfortunately like in a theater you know um but yeah there's there's nothing like off limits or or whatever for me there's stuff that i get kind of like pissed off at um i don't like a lot of harmony corinne's work Mm -hmm. (laughs) um like i actually consider that to be highly uh on the exploitation level in a really like shitty way but it's a personal opinion you know mm-hmm. um so i do tend to like go out of my way to like avoid like his stuff you know um just because i just don't like how he like you know like trash humpers no i didn't like i tried to but he really like demo that one is really me. off the wall oh really yeah yeah demo is the one that killed it for me um <laughs> And it's been a long time since I've like revisited it. And a lot of people mm-hmm. who I tend to have the same, like, like the same things they do, like really love Gummo. Mm-hmm. So I, I mean to go back and like watch it, but like overall, like that film just kind of like sat wrong, like with mm-hmm. me, you know, enough to where like, I just soured me like on the filmmaker. Um, I also don't like um, Lars von Tier <laughs> and mm-hmm. uh, tend to be pretty like critical of like anything ahead. that, he has <laughs> so um but outside of like just being nitpicky about certain filmmakers you know or whatever they're nothing's like crazy for me <laughs> mm-hmm. um so what do you think of the state of extreme horror cinema in comparison to what it used to be i think it's at a really interesting point right now um because there's a lot of potential right um with with the streaming platform with it being easier to sort of like distribute like your own film now right i mean like when i started 20 years ago you had to have a distributor pretty much you know to get your stuff out there but now if you wanted to self-distribute you absolutely could and you have like the power to do that um and there's just more channels and more avenues uh, it's less gatekeepy than like it yeah. was before um so there's all this like super good potential um 
However, outside of like just like a few, I don't think it's quite there yet where it could be, you know, so I think there's like a lot of room for improvement, like right now, you know, Mm -hmm. but um, I think that it, I think that there's enough people who are like really dedicated right now to the scene that are going to like make it better. And like within five years that it's going to be like pretty awesome and robust and kind of like Mm -hmm. a new golden age, you know. So what Mm -hmm. do you see the future of extreme horror? i see it like going almost exclusively to um like the micro budget um producers you know i i think that we're gonna see probably less like uh like the movie trauma in a serbian film i don't think you're gonna like happen again like unfortunately and those are kick-ass like films but i just don't think that people are going to be securing those budgets for that subject matter Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so i see the future definitely more like in a micro budget sense but with like everybody coming together and making them like really good and like very visceral mm-hmm. so really like a true return to like the grind like a, pa- like a passive talent versus just a passive money exactly exactly mm-hmm. and i just i think that that's where it's heading to which is mm-hmm. very exciting yeah yeah that is actually really good and i think like um yeah producers being able to just indiegogo put it out there have some fans that just like love their stuff and then they just want to make sure that films come out so you're basically kind of leaving it up for the fans now if like you want films then support indie directors you know mm-hmm. so and just weed out all the scam artists <laughs> yeah you know which i know is always a challenge and i think sometimes people don't even mean to be scam artist you know it's hard just don't, it's hard to it's like hard. follow through with something <laughs> yeah and sometimes don't know what to do you know like with indiegogo like they they, they had all intention of it going through but then it lost funding they didn't get enough backers and then all of a sudden they're issuing out refunds that are like you know they thought they're going to be able to go through and just you know didn't work out yeah. they already spent their budget because they thought it was going to go through and then there is no budget because there's no film and then i already spent all the money and then all of a sudden they're fucked <laughs> yeah and then you're fucked yeah you know yeah. so that definitely <clears throat> definitely like happens but there are people who just like scam shit you know and that sucks because it makes it harder for everybody else you know yeah. but those things are yeah it's it's not easy to maintain like i don't know if i would ever run an indiegogo myself ever again <laughs> like, the shit probably, out of me. It seems like more of a headache than it's worth sometimes. Um, yeah. And especially it's kind of embarrassing when you just like, get like no backers. You're like, oh, yeah. zero, yeah. nobody. <laughs> I'm <laughs> so popular. <laughs> Not even a dollar. <laughs> yeah. Very humbly. And like you're trying to get your mom to put in like 40 bucks just so it looks like you have fans. <laughs> I just need one more backer, mom. Come on, just one more backer. like <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there'll probably be one for Chum Bucket, but that's going to be like all Steve. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, I'll talk about it and promote it, but I'm like, I can't run that damn thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well, thanks yeah. so much for coming on the show. Um, yeah. yeah. Any, uh, do you want to like give us your, your websites or places to. Yeah, any self promotion? Yeah. <laughs> so um, I have like a lot of different like side hustles so i'm kind of like all over the place like on the internet but <laughs> the most like mainstream place um is acid goth 
Forever on Twitter and Instagram. That's where I try to really pull everything that I'm doing. And then uh, my website is acidgothproductions.com. Um, it's a super lo-fi website, so have mercy on me because I'm not mm. a designer. <laughs> but it definitely has stuff on it, right? You know, and it's there. And it so those are, are the best ways to get a hold of me because, like, I try to avoid Facebook like these days. That's fine. I think we only have a WordPress though for our website. It's a little bit better than yeah, because it's just I look at it, I'm like, you know, you're trying to sell yourself, and it's pretty cheesy. Uh (laughs) At least it's fair. Awesome. Well, we're gonna have you on again soon, as soon as Chum Bucket and and your other projects come out, and do a little follow up, and hopefully, uh, people should keep their eyes out for a, a live screening with you. Mm-hmm. Do that with fuck. Yeah. Oh yeah, I, I want to start doing it. We've just been kind of focusing on the episodes and kind of we did that as like a, a like an in between um, while we were in between seasons. But we want to get back into doing some screenings, so for sure. That's awesome. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Like Fox will be finished like in the next like couple months, so I would like love to you know show that because I think it's the right crowd for it. You know. Oh yeah. Sure. Awesome. Right. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Uh, yeah, thank you very much. <laughs>